Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Well, we are starting into uh, a new year, and uh, I'm excited to start into a new series today. So, it's a little context. You remember in the fall, we had a couple of things that we began to work on as a church. One was these kind of key things that as a congregation we want to be devoted to out of Acts 2, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, to be devoted to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. And also as a church beginning to grow in gospel proclamation. And in the fall, we spent a lot of time focusing on prayer. You remember we looked at the life of Jesus, how he prayed, when he prayed, what did Jesus's prayer life look like as a model for us in terms of what should our prayer life look like. So today we're going to be starting in on Paul's letter to Timothy, to the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. And, and with this, we are going to begin a focus as a church of looking at what does it mean for us to be devoted to the Word of God? What does it mean for us to be shaped and formed by the Word of God, but also with that, to be seeking to form others in the Word of God? Now, 2 Timothy, along with Paul's first letter to Timothy and Titus, are sometimes called the, the pastoral epistles. And the reason for that is because when Paul was writing these letters, he was not directing them to a whole church. Instead, he was writing to a specific leader within the church, in this case, writing to Timothy. And I wanted to talk about that up front because it would be very easy, perhaps, for us to look at these pastoral epistles and if we're not in church leadership, say, hey, well, this, this really isn't for me. And I think that would be missing a lot of what is in 2 Timothy and in these pastoral epistles because, yes, there are some things we're going to see that are very specific to Timothy's calling. Timothy was essentially a pastor in the church at Ephesus and so had this kind of primary responsibility for teaching and preaching the word of God. But a lot of what Paul has to say to Timothy would be true regardless of how he had been called and gifted. Really, this letter is, is Paul encouraging Timothy in what it looks like to follow Jesus in the midst of his callings and in the midst of his giftings. And that is something that is true no matter what your callings and giftings are. So we're going to be approaching 2 Timothy with the lens of, one, what is this teaching us about how God's word forms us? What is it teaching us about how we go about forming others? And how is this teaching us to live into the callings and the giftings that God has given us? So we're going to begin today looking at 2 Timothy verses 1 through 7. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, I'm going to read this now. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears. 
I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So to give you a little bit of background about Timothy and his relationship with Paul. So we first encounter Timothy in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are traveling through what is today modern-day Turkey, revisiting some of the churches that they had gone to previously. And in the town of Lystra and Derby, they meet Timothy. And it's likely that Timothy's family had been converted to Christianity during Paul's previous missionary journey. And at the time, uh, Paul is traveling with Silas, and he brings Timothy along with him. And Timothy begins to minister alongside Paul, begins to learn from him. And over time, Timothy takes up positions of leadership. And at the time that Paul is writing this, he is essentially filling the role like a pastor in the church at Ephesus. Meanwhile, Paul, during this time, is imprisoned in Rome. Most likely, this is fairly far along in that time of imprisonment. We're going to see in chapter 4 that Paul is having his trial. And so you have this letter from essentially Timothy's mentor, who's now sitting in prison because he had proclaimed the gospel, writing to encourage his protege to continue in the work of ministry. And 1 Timothy, his first letter, is a lot of how do you go about structuring a church? How do you go about structuring a people to be serving God together? 2 Timothy is much more a personal encouragement to Timothy. He begins with his normal greeting, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And this is something that Paul emphasizes a lot, the fact that he was made an apostle, not by someone giving that to him, but by the power of God in his life. To Timothy, my beloved child, you see the, the care that he has for Timothy. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He goes on in verse 3 to give thanks for Timothy. It says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. So Paul starts out here talking about how he is serving God. And he uses two things to describe that. He says he's serving God with a clear conscience. And he is serving God as did my ancestors. Now, these two are kind of curious. I want to look at that clear conscience one first, because why is he saying this to Timothy? Why would he need to say to Timothy, I'm serving God with a clear conscience? It's not totally clear, but I, I speculate that perhaps this has to do with the fact that Paul is in prison. So imagine for just a second that someone has been your mentor, and now they're in prison. For something that could be a capital offense. How does that shape the way you see them? 
right? So I think there may be a little bit of Paul saying here, I am writing to you with a clear conscience. I am writing to you with the knowledge that one, I am a forgiven man, but also that I have done nothing wrong. That he is in prison because he has proclaimed the word of God, which is the thing he ought to have been doing. And so when he is writing Timothy, yes, I am writing you from prison, but I am writing you with a clear conscience. He also says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors. Now that one is really strange because in a lot of Paul's letters, he doesn't make a big deal out of his Jewish ancestry. In fact, he kind of downplays it pretty strongly in some places. And yet here, in talking to Timothy, he says, I am serving as did my ancestors. Paul is looking back and he is seeing the heritage of faith that had led him to where he is. He can look back and see out of his Jewish heritage that generation after generation after generation, God had been faithful to his people. God had been calling a people to him. And Paul is a direct result of that work. Yes, he is now in Christ. Yes, that is now the way to salvation. But he can still look back and see that that is completely in continuity with what has come before. He can see a rich heritage of what had come before him. So he says, I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, remembering you in my prayers. Now it's interesting though, I also think he's setting up for what he's about to encourage Timothy in. He says this, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So after saying, hey, I serve just like my ancestors did, he encourages Timothy to look backwards too and say, I want you to remember your grandmother. I want you to remember your mother and the sincere faith that they had. Now, Timothy was actually half Jewish. His mother was a Jew. His father was a Greek. So it's interesting. He kind of has a foot in both camps in terms of the the people groups that were coming together in the early church, something that may have been very helpful to him in his ministry. But I think that Paul is encouraging him too to look back at his ancestry, look at the faithfulness of God, this heritage of faith that is in Timothy's life. And I was thinking about that. I, I can think about that too. I can think back to my, my grandma and grandpa Patterson who were faithful Christians for years upon years who raised their seven daughters to love the Lord. Um, my mom and my dad, I, my mom raised in the church. My dad, um, actually, in order to be able to date my mom, one of the requirements was is that he had to go to church with her, and that's how he became a Christian. Not a model I encourage, but that's, that is my spiritual history. <laughs> but that is why I was raised in a family that encouraged me to know Jesus. There was this generational, generation after generation, God being faithful. And I was thinking about that. I think that there is an extent to which Paul is encouraging Timothy to think about that heritage and the continuation of that heritage. Right? I now have the opportunity to be passing on the faith to my sons. This will be part of 
the spiritual legacy, the spiritual heritage that I have is this calling to teach my children in the word. But I think about also from, from Paul's perspective, he calls Timothy his child. Right There is this sense that our spiritual children are not just our biological children that we teach in the faith, but there is a passing on of the heritage to take place when we disciple others in the Lord. And that this is something that Paul is encouraging Timothy to do, is to have this spiritual heritage, to, yes, look backwards and to see the generations after generations that God has been faithful, but also then to look forward at the ways that we can pass that on to others. Now, for some of you, you don't have that generations in past. Maybe you are the first person in your family that has ever been a Christian. And if that is the case, my goodness, what an opportunity. In terms of this is a, a watershed event in the life of your family, a turning point where perhaps now you are the beginning of that heritage of faith that may be passed down from generation to generation, that others may look back and say, you know what, that was where God intervened in the life of my family and saved that person, and now I have a family that serves Jesus. What an awesome opportunity. He goes on after encouraging Timothy to remember that heritage. He says this, for this reason, because you look at that heritage, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So here we have kind of Paul's one exhortation in this section for Timothy. He says this, he says, fan into flame the gift of God in your life. Um, I don't know if any of y'all have been watching the Rings of Power I, I, I kind of get into Tolkien stuff, so I watched that. Some of you have probably seen fantasy movies, but I want you to imagine if you've ever seen a movie that had like the forge where they're making swords and armor, that kind of a thing. You may have noticed that there's this big device that kind of looks like an accordion, and they, they, they push it, and it blows air into the fire. It's called a bellows. That's kind of what I imagine Paul's has in mind here is this idea of this blowing air into the fire, giving it full oxygen so it comes into full flame. If you've ever been camping and had to make a a campfire and and kind of blown into it and you kind of see the embers spark up as it gets more oxygen, that's the image Paul has here for what Paul is supposed, or what Timothy is supposed to do with the spiritual gifts he's been giving. He is supposed to give it some air so that it fans into flame. And I find that very interesting because there's sort of two pieces here. There is a work of God, but there's also something that we are called to do. The work of God is that, yes, this is a a gifting. This is something that, that God has given Timothy. In Timothy's case, likely gifts around preaching and teaching, things that were in alignment with his calling. And yet there is an action that he is supposed to take with that gift, which is he is supposed to fan it into flames. He is supposed to give it the oxygen it needs so it is getting full expression in his life. And that tells me that our giftings, the things that God has given us, our spiritual gifts are not these static things that we can just ignore and assume that they are going to be getting full attention in our life. There is an active component to us fanning into flame 
the gifts that God has given us. And I think this next session gives us some clues into both the why and the how of that. He says this, verse 7, I love this verse. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So first, there's a why here that because we have this spirit, we should be even more emboldened to try to flame these gifts into flame. But there's this question of what is the spirit he's talking about? Is he talking about the Holy Spirit or is he talking about our spirit? And my inclination is to say yes. That on the one hand, these are certainly attributes of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit does not, is not a spirit of fear. He is a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. And when we come to Christ and we receive the Holy Spirit, that is now the spirit that indwells us. But I also think that these are supposed to be increasing attributes of our own spirit as the Holy Spirit is doing his work of sanctification in us. In other words, that we will come to exhibit these attributes of not having a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of self-control. And I think that's important to recognize that it is absolutely true of the Holy Spirit now, but also increasingly true of us because there can then be this question of, well, what if I struggle with anxiety? What if there's aspects of my life where you might not see self-control? What, what do I make of that? Does that mean I don't have the Holy Spirit? And the answer is no, the Holy Spirit is still there. He still has these attributes. But I do believe that what he is saying here is that in an increasing way, we will see these things manifested in our life as the Holy Spirit is doing his work in us. Because actually having a life full of fear, of hate, and a lack of self-control, that is not what the Christian life is supposed to look like. The Christian's life is supposed to look like one not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. This is the future that God is calling us into and is working in us. And I think in here there are some keys to what does it mean for us to then to fan the flame of our spiritual gifts. First is the issue of fear. Fear can be what keeps us from fanning our gifts into flame. Because it is a lot easier to sit on the bench than to get on the field, right? If you don't try and exercise your spiritual gifts, if you're not trying to be about the business of God, that can be a pretty comfortable place to be. And it can be fearful to step out and to try your giftings for the first time or to try them in a new place or to seek God's work in a new place and asking God to meet you in the midst of that, that is, can be a fearful thing to do. It's easier to sit on the bench. But Paul says, no, you do not have a spirit of fear. But that may be, for some of us, the first step of what it looks like to fan our gifts into flame is that there may be an area where we need to say, you know what, this is an area where I have been fearful in the past, but I am going to push through that fear and boldly step out.
Second, we have a spirit of power. Right? There is a recognition that we need to have that when we are exercising our spiritual gifts in a way that is in the will of God, we should have an expectation that God's power is going to show up there and that should embolden us to be willing to step out and use our gifts. Third, he says, we have a spirit of love. Right? Our gifts, the things that God has given us to pursue his will, are for the purpose of loving others. And I think as we begin to see that, that emboldens us, that fans the flames of those gifts when we get to see that this is not about us, this is not about us putting ourselves on display, but instead this is a way that we get to love others. That to me is something that is exciting and is good and is something that makes me want to go and figure out how do I fan this into flame. Lastly, he says that we are to have a spirit of self-control or self-discipline. And I think this gets to that there is an extent to which we have to be intentional about how we go about pursuing our gifts. To use an example from my own life. So one of the ways that God has gifted is in the area of preaching and teaching. That's in a kind of accordance with my calling. But I'm going to be honest. The first times I taught, the first times I preached, it was a little rough. One of the first times I preached, I was actually in the Philippines. And I was asked to speak at the church's anniversary. <laughs> and I was preaching to an audience that mostly spoke Tagalog. Very few people spoke English, and there was not a translator. And to be honest, that was probably a mercy to them. <laughs> but it was something that took intentional development. And I think that is true of all gifts, that there is an extent to which God gifts us in something, but there is also an aspect where there is an intentionality we take in putting that into practice. If you are, have gifts of preaching and teaching, there is a practice to that, a learning how to do that, a stepping out and trying it and learning from that and improving in that. If you are, have the spiritual gift of giving, there is an aspect of learning how to best use what God has given you to be most effective if you have the, the spiritual gift of administration, that's not just something that you always know how to do everything, but there's a learning, there's a development, and there's an intentionality that you can have in helping grow that gift. And that is part of how we fan it into flame is that we put it into practice and we learn and we grow. And that takes a level of self-control and self-discipline as we are doing that. So that's something I want to, to strongly encourage you to give some thought to as you are coming into this new year. There's a lot we still have to explore here in 2 Timothy about the role of the word of God and apostles' teaching. But what I take from this passage is that we have the opportunity as Christians to be building a heritage of faith. Both in our biological children and also in the people that God leads us to disciple. That like Paul, we might someday say to them, you are like a son to me. You are like a daughter to me in the faith. But I want to encourage you out of this. What are the gifts that God has given you? If Paul were writing this letter to you and he were to say to you, 
fan into flames the gifts that God has given you, what would be on that list? Are you a teacher? Are you a preacher? Do you have gifts of administration? Do you have gifts of prayer? Do you have giving gifts? Like, what are the ways that God has especially equipped you and give some firm consideration to, okay, how would I go about fanning that into flame in 2023? Maybe that is going to look like, you know what, I have been scared. I have been sitting on the bench in some areas because I've been a little nervous about what it looked like if I started trying to do this thing. I've been nervous about what it would look like for me to teach a class. I've been nervous about what it would look like for me to try and lead a prayer meeting in my workplace or to be more generous with my giving. Maybe there's an area where there is a fear there that has stopped you from fanning that flame of your spiritual gift. Maybe it's encouraging yourself with the knowledge that this is done both in the power of God and for the purpose of love. Or maybe there are some things where you need to Practice. You need to use some self-discipline to teach and to grow in that area of gifting. And that is how, in the coming year, God is calling you to fan that into flame. But whatever that is, as we are stepping into this year, I want to encourage you with the words of 2 Timothy 1.6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a spirit not of fear. God gave us a spirit not of fear. But of power and of love and of self-discipline. Let 2023 be a year where we live into a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, I'm thankful, God, that not only do you save us, but you also call us and equip us and send us to be participants with you in just the marvelous work of proclaiming your word. And Lord, I pray, um, I'm just thankful, God, as I look back on this, the heritage of faith that I have and that I know that many have, that, Lord, you have been so faithful to us. So I pray, Father, that we would answer the call of this passage to fan into flame the gift of God, that we would help us to know those gifts and to seek to utilize them well. Lord, we love you and give you all the praise and the glory. Amen.